Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Can we just get up in the morning and listen to a beautiful song and then make love to the day? Some of you are saying yes. Some of you are going, well, there are those days when we can, and then there are those days when it seems a little bit harder. I'd like to think that we could every day. Like the old cars that you had to shift. I guess you can get a brand new car that has to be shifted as well. But is it as easy as shifting some kind of a mental gear to actually have a great day? Some days I think this is very true. Some days, even when I'm in a bad mood, I kind of know myself well enough. I know some of the, the tricks about being Larry that will get me in a better mood. Some days when I'm having a horrible day and I recognize it, I can say, well, now wait a minute. This is one day out of a thousand to come. Uh, why am I choosing to have it be full of piss and <laughs> anger? Or I can say to myself, wait a minute, why, why am I feeling sorry for myself? You know, it's really a choice I can make. Other days, though, it seems so very hard. Other days, when I'm in the middle of something that just makes me angry, it's almost like I want to wear that anger. It's almost like I think somehow I'm going to punish the universe for putting me in this situation if I just hold on to it and kind of even play it a little bigger than it is. All of these, I think, are reasonable options if we're aware of them. Our ability to intentionally set forward to have the kind of day that we want to have is a gift from God. But how often do we recognize this gift and how often do we actually take it? I bought... uh, I bought this book last year. It's Thich Nhat Hanh's book on work. And the the little uh, uh, subscript says, how to find joy and meaning in each hour of the day. Meaning that literally, no matter what's going on, no matter where you are, no matter what the situation is, the claim here is that we can find some joy in it, that we can actually experience happiness and joy. And so I chose this book for our book of the month because that's what I want. I want to be more intentional about that. I want to, no matter what it is, whether I'm at work, whether I'm having a difficult phone call with someone that I haven't visited with in a while, um, whether I'm, uh, I may be meeting with someone that I find difficult to be around, uh, or whether I'm you know, on vacation, I want to be able to experience joy no matter what. And so that's actually the promise of this book. Let me read this to you. He starts out by saying the way we live our lives and the way we earn our living is crucial to our joy and happiness. Almost half of our life is spent at work. But just how do we spend this time? The work we do is an expression of our entire being. Our work can be a wonderful means for us to express our deepest aspirations, and it can be a source of great nourishment, of peace, of joy, transformation, and healing. Conversely, the work that we do and the way we can do it can be the cause of great suffering. Is it our intentions? One place to start, I think, is even talking about church. So here we are. It's a beautiful Sunday, and we're getting our spirituality done for the week. Someone, so, somebody told me that one time. Somebody told me that one time. They said, you know, I really, well, maybe they didn't say it 
exactly like that. But that was kind of what I got from it. They said, oh my gosh, Sunday was so great. I felt so inspired. It really was as though, you know, God were there sitting on my shoulder on that day. It's like the music was beautiful and your talk was inspiring. You know, it's just too bad that we're done at Sunday. And I'm, and of course I'm just, you know, it's like those are fighting words for me. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean God's only life on Sunday? What do you mean that inspiration or that spirituality is only on Sunday? And what I realized was she had done something very common in this world. And that's the idea of kind of compartmentalizing our lives. It's like, well, Sunday is for God. You know, work is for hard work and making money so that the rest of the week I can have fun. A vacation is a time to, uh, to, to lean back and, and lean into the good times. Re- retirement is something to look forward to so that you can put aside your, um, your tiresome working years and, and finally, do you see what I'm saying here? A lot of us uh, put these little compartments around different parts of our, ourselves and our aspirations. And, and I don't know that it's always a bad thing, but I will say with each compartment comes a set of expectations. So we have an expectation of when we go on vacation that it's either going to be exciting or maybe it's going to be a, a an R&R kind of vacation where we're laid back and putting on the suntan oil. You know, we, it, with whatever our little box that we want to frame our time with comes expectations. Well, looking forward to the expectations of a vacation might be a nice thing, but what are our expectations around other Uh, segments of our lives. And in particular, what about this thing called work? How many people have that, thank God it's Friday? And you know what that says to me? It's like Monday through Thursday, right up until five o'clock, wasn't so fun. (laughs) It tells me that there's that expectation that work is going to be hard and that I'm going to be tired when I get home every day. There's that idea that I got to do this. There's no choice here. I have to do this thing so that I can live my life. There's that whole compartment called work that for the most part implies exhaustion and toil and something you probably don't want to be doing in order so that you can do something else. I want to tell a a little story here. Um, I went to the dentist not too long ago and uh, just just my teeth were being cleaned, you know, nothing... uh, Uh, important for me, but I'm there when this child comes in with his father, and the kid is crying from the doorway in, and uh, and of course, I mean, I love kids, so I'm immediately down on the floor trying to do the distraction thing, you know, so I'm making my best funny faces, you know, and and, and doing the dog with the hands thing, and you know, the thing, well, if you're three and five, you know, you're captivated by me. What can I say? If, if, you're, <laughs> if you're a little older, sometimes yes, sometimes no. But I was having trouble. And finally, I, I looked up at the father and I said, so what's going on here? And he said, well, he busted a tooth, which was plain to see when the kid smiled. It was one of the front ones. And he'd fallen on the cement and broken off the probably about half of his tooth. And I said, well, what's going on? And the father said, well, I sort of told him what they do to fix that. 
And I thought, oh, yeah, sometimes dads are just clueless, aren't they? And I said, well, what did you say? And he said, well, I said sometimes they, they grind it off or, or do something like that. And, and he said, I, I reminded him about using my power tools in the garage. And so... <laughs> <laughs> and so here's this little kid, right, with a visualization of like a sawzall coming, you know, or an electric drill. And I thought, well, yeah, there you go. Well, I tried my best, um, but honestly, the kid was not having a good day. Um, so they go into the dentist's office, and I'm kind of expecting, I wonder if it's going to get worse. Could it get worse? And within about two minutes, um, well, maybe five at the most, they're back out into the office. And the, the little boy's still crying, but they're like done. And I went, well, what happened? Well, they're baby teeth. And as long as the nerve isn't exposed, it's going to fall out anyway so that there's nothing to be done. It's like, you go home again. And I said, well, why is the little boy crying? And the father said, I mentioned that they're all going to fall out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, oh my gosh, you know. <laughs> now, now. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, anyway, that was my trip to the dentist. But, but I want you to, th I want you to think about it for a minute, right? Nothing happened. Nothing happened. It was the fear of thinking that people with power tools were going to be coming at him that made him cry to begin with. He probably experienced about 30 seconds of peace when he learned that there wasn't anything that was going to happen that day. But then he started crying again, right? Because all my teeth are going to fall out. Nothing actually happened. How often, I think, are we ready moving forward with our idea of having a bad day at work? How often are we, from the get-go, entering into a conversation with someone that we've had words with before, literally expecting an argument, expecting a fight? How often have we entered into some new... Uh, I don't know, maybe taking a new class or, or doing something different and that trepidation of maybe this isn't going to be a good experience, maybe, maybe like last time. Uh, how, how many maybe have uh, gone on Match.com lately and, uh, and scheduled a, a, a meetup with someone? And, and those fe uh, probably, if, if you're at all like me, it might have felt like going to the dentist. I don't know. But that idea of, oh my gosh, is this going to be like last time? I think we set ourselves up every day, just like that little boy. It may not be as dramatic. We may not be in tears. But I think most of us set ourselves up to feel what we're going to feel. And in particular, how many of us create work that is really work? There's no reason that we have to feel tired after a day at work. There's no reason that we have to feel the stress of work. All of those things, for the most part, are because we believe that's what's going to happen. We have made that compartment that we view our life in at work or at play or whatever it is, and it comes with all the characteristics that we imagine it and define it to be. So we think of our work as something that's difficult, it's tiring, that uses up all of our good time, 
We imagine that it's something that we have to get through or get to the other side of. We look forward to Friday because Monday through Thursday are are tough. We think of all the rules and the ways of being in the nasty supervisors. And all of that is us getting ready for work in the morning. We're not even there yet. Nothing has even happened yet. Just like the little boy in the dentist's office. I think it's time for my joke. You're looking sad. (laughs) A university graduate student is applying for a part-time job to help with his course fees. Well, he tries for a number of jobs, but to no avail. He finally applies to work at a supermarket and gets a job. Well, the first day, the manager tells him to sweep the floor. Well, the graduate student is dumbfounded. He asks the manager, hey, Don't you know that I have several college degrees, one in math, one in science, one in biology? After seven years of higher education, you're honestly going to ask me to sweep the floor? Well, the manager thinks a minute. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I forgot about that. It isn't really fair, is it? Well, here, pass me the broom, and I'll show you how to sweep the floor. Part of the problem, part of the problem is that we look at work as work. Part of the problem is we do not recognize that there is a spiritual component of virtually everything that is done on this planet. It's all in how we look at it. You know, I had the, the well, I was going to say good fortune, but I'm not sure that it was entirely good fortune. I had the occasion to work in the fast food industry uh, for one summer, Uh, when I was in college. And I remember every day dreading going to that place. Uh, And I I finally actually figured it out after a few months. The reason, and I don't know if it's still that way, the reason I couldn't work in fast food was because every time the french fries were done, alarms went off. And it was the the constant weird noise and disruption of of my sensibilities that actually uh, would probably be the reason I would choose not to be in that kind of environment. And it had really more to do with the the noise all the time uh, rather than it did uh, with actually serving food. But as I look back on it now, you know, that's no higher or lower calling than being the Dalai Lama. To provide people with a service that can uplift them and to touch thousands of people in a day. Now you might say to yourself, Larry, think about this. You're, you're handing out, you know, meat byproducts, you know, on an overly seasoned poisonous bun and you know you know maybe the sesame seeds are okay i don't i don't know about the rest of it but think about it for a minute it's certainly no higher calling than what or lower calling than what i do here i mean here on sunday i inspire maybe about a a uh, hundred people, hopefully, to, to look at their lives and, and, and maybe, uh, maybe take an inward glance, maybe make a few changes. Someone in fast food, they touch a thousand, well, probably uh, close to a thousand people a day. And if they do that with kindness and clarity and some purposefulness, I'm not so sure that they're not affecting the world in a greater way than maybe I am. 
Do you see it's how we look at what we do? Back to the joke about sweeping the floor. What kind of a higher calling than there could there be than to make a clean and safe environment for people to choose the very nourishing ingredients for their lives? It's not sweeping the floor. I mean, it is sweeping the floor. I was counseling someone last year who was... Uh, it was in real estate, and, and of course the market wasn't as good as it could be, and she was having some trouble getting new listings and, and really was kind of talking about uh, how she would like to be doing something that had a bigger impact in the world, and I said, really? I said, helping people find a place that's safe and affordable for them to play their lives out in, in love and beauty? Really? Is there anything higher than that? I think that a piece of us wants to be something that directly impacts, I don't know, world peace or to, to end poverty or, or, or something, I don't know. There's something in us that maybe diminishes our ability in the jobs we have right now unless that job somehow is, is like huge, like the president of the World Health Organization or, or a senator or, or a, you know, I don't know what it is. Unless you're a, a doctor without borders, you're nothing. And I don't think that's true at all. I think that each one of us doing whatever it is we do is a force of good and a force of divinity in this world if we but look at it the right way. And it isn't to say that we're suited for every job. I mean, honestly, I, I wasn't really suited to keep working there. I, I mean, I, would, I went home a little stressed out, and I finally figured it out. It's like, well, hello. It's like someone installed a doorbell in my ear and was kept ringing the button, you know. It's like it was the noise and the hubbub that was doing it for me. But short of that, a high, high calling on this planet. Let me read what Thich Nhat Hanh says about the nature of jobs themselves. He says, we know that our well-being depends not on having a source of income, but on having a job in which we can cultivate joy and happiness, a job which is not harmful to humans, animals, plants, or the earth. Ideally, we find a job and work in such a way that our work is of benefit to the planet. And that's it. And if you already have a job like that, then experiencing joy out of the job, it isn't the job's work, it's our work. Because basically we have two choices. If we want to find joy in work, and we're not, we either have to change the work, or we have to change us. And for most of us, changing the job probably isn't the answer. How many of us have tried changing the job before or tried moving to a different city, that whole fresh start kind of an ocean? I mean, it's useful, and I'm not to say that there isn't always a, a reason to, to leave a job, but I can still remember... Um, when I had a particularly nasty boss and I had to wait four months to transfer to another department when I was first starting out at the telephone company, and I thought, oh, only four more months and I can get out of this hellhole. And then it was, oh, it's only three more months and I can leave all these losers behind. And then it was only two months and, and these days of misery are behind me. And then it was only one month and I can put in my transfer and get out of here and I will so be blessed, so be blessed. And then it was, wow, I'm in my new job and this is worse. 
It was, I swear to God. I swear to God. I've got, I got a transfer like this, and the reason I got the transfer like that was because nobody wanted to go to that job. It's what we bring with us. It is not the external factors. It is not that we're waiting for our joy. It's not that joy is going to... It isn't like I'll be happy when I retire or I'll be happy when the kids leave home. It's not that I'll be happy when I finally get that raise or I'll be happy when my investments take off or when the real estate market's back on track. It's not like I will be happy when. The only time you can be happy is now. So bear with me, I want to do a little exercise with you. If you're willing, close your eyes for just a moment. And I'd like to ask you to use your mind as though it were a time machine. And I'd like you to go back in time, using your own memories, to a time when you really were exceedingly happy. Now, it might just be as far back as yesterday, Maybe you were in a hammock laying out on the sun on a beautiful day that was yesterday, and you feel safe, and you feel secure, you feel like all your needs were met, you feel truly like it's the the best time of your life. For some of us, we might have to go back a little further, maybe to a a time of particular safety and a a time when, when truly we felt loved and loving. But find that time in your life perhaps a certain day when you truly felt utterly happy. And you might think of it as blissful or exciting. You might think of it as as quiet and inward. It could be an outrageous day, like a a, a birthday party day. But just, just pick a day when truly you couldn't imagine yourself happier. And think of what you're doing. But more important than that, Really think of what, really sense in your heart what you're feeling. What does it feel like to be happy? Is it like the bubbles of 7-Up? Is it the, the warmth of your heart? What does it feel like to have this sense of happiness? All right, I invite you to open your eyes again and look back in the room. What if we used this experience, this feeling, as the intention for our little compartments? What if instead of having the compartment that we called work seem like something hard and troublesome, what if as we're getting ready for work in the morning, instead of thinking, oh gosh, another day, gosh, I I hope I get through this one okay. I hope I don't get that client from hell. I I hope I don't pick up uh, uh, any of the work that's really difficult. What if instead of that, what if we went with that intention of joy that you just experienced? You can call up either of those memories as you're getting ready for work. What I know is you're going to think about your day. You're going to set some intentions. I know you are. I know you. <laughs> As you're putting on your clothes, you're thinking ahead. Of course you are. So what are your intentions for the day going to be? Because you have the power of that. 
you can say, yeah, this is going to be a hard day. Most likely, it's Wednesday, it's hump day. I got through all the trouble of Monday and Tuesday. Just a couple more days and then I can live. That's how you can start the day. Or you can start the day remembering that bliss of that moment that you were just having in your heart. And you can know that that's possible as well. Most of our lives are simply a reflection of what we believe to be true. In fact, I'd say more than most, probably 90% of what we get out of life is what we plan and intend and think about getting out of life. This month, we're going to explore in various different ways some of the tools and some of the techniques for loving every minute of it, for breaking down those barriers between our work life and our home life and just enjoy life. We're going to break down some of the expectations and anticipations of what might be or what could be or what has been or what should have been and we're going to try to put that aside and focus on being happy now. I know we're going to have some fun this week. And uh, I also uh, know that I like to uh, assign a little bit of homework. So, uh, so here goes. Because I think the first step in claiming happiness is really owning our emotions. And so what I would like you to do, I think this is a very simple homework, is uh, throughout this week, when you notice yourself with a strong emotion, and it could be either positive or negative, but when you notice yourself having a strong emotion, claim it. I created this. I'm pissed off and I made it. <laughs> right? So instead of saying I'm pissed off because the boss was an idiot, or instead of saying I'm, I'm really sad because this thing happened, just take ownership of it for a moment. Just say to yourself, I am really sad and, and I own it, and I accept it, and, I, and for right now, I'm not even going to try to change it. I'm not asking that you actually try to change anything going on in your life. I want you simply to be aware of and accepting of the emotions that you have created, because no one really can make you be sad. No one can really make you be angry. Now, we may well create some circumstances that you'll have a little fun with one way or another, Right? I mean, circumstances do exist out there, and they will tend to provoke us. But the actual feeling of anger, the actual expression of sadness, the actual ability to love and be loved, you have it. It is up to you. So that's the homework for this week. I think it'll be both easy and challenging. Easy to notice it, because just do the cherry picking. You know, you'll know when you're really pissed off. You'll know when you're really blissed out. Absolutely, those are the peak experiences. I simply ask you to say, I made this. I simply ask you to say, yes, in my heart and through my thinking, I have created this sorry state of anger. Or, <laughs> or, or through my own thinking and through my own reactions to what was going on, I couldn't be happier, and I did it. I'm not depending on anyone else. I'm not a victim of anyone else. This is mine. I'm going to close with a, a final quote from Thich Nhat Hanh and this lovely book called Work and, uh, and of course, a prayer. 
we may like to ask ourselves whether we even know how to produce a feeling of joy, or if we know how to relax and enjoy life, or whether we breathe before picking up the phone and pause a moment, or before we, whether we breathe before going into a difficult meeting. These questions are actually quite practical and quite important. If we practice mindfulness in these small daily actions, we will begin to understand how to enjoy our day, how to let go of tension at work, how to reduce our stress in life. The practice of mindfulness can help us to cultivate more awareness, to actively seek joy in our lives every minute of every day. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one joy. There is that effervescence that comes ultimately from God, that, that opening up of the heart to experience happiness and joy and love and life. This is the gift of God that is always giving. And I'm taking it today. I'm receiving it. I'm opening my heart to experience the joy that is that promise from on high. I myself on this day claim that I am joyous. And it, and it knows no boundaries. It doesn't require a setup or a, a way of being. It's simply part of me as part of God, as part of joy. And as it is true for me, it is true for each person in this room. Each person here has the capability of claiming goodness. Each person here has that ability to set themselves up to experience life in its fullest in every moment of every day, whether it's at work, whether it's at play, whether it's with family, whether it's with friends. Each of us can cultivate joy in our lives simply by becoming more aware of the joy that is there. And I'm grateful for this. I'm, I'm looking forward to this month and in gratitude for this lovely book that we'll be covering. Grateful always for the power and presence of God as it shows up in each heart in this room. And so as I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law, I simply recognize goodness at hand. I let it be, and so it is. Thanks so much for being here today. So glad you're here today. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.